My eye is consumed with sorrow, and also my throat and my belly. For my life is wasted with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails me because of affliction, and my bones are consumed. I am the scorn of all my enemies, a disgrace to my neighbors, a dismay to my acquaintances. When they see me in the street, they avoid me. Like the dead, I am forgotten. Out of mind, I am as useless as a broken pot. For I have heard the whispering of the crowd. Fear is all around. They put their heads together against me. They plot to take my life. As for me, I have trusted in you, O Lord. I have said, you are my God. Amen. Thank you, Joyce Ann, for being our accompanist tonight. <clears throat> so we, the theme for Lent this year has been doing ministry, doing ministry as baptized Christians, you are entrusted with the ability to do the ministry of the gospel. My role as your pastor is really to teach you how to do those things, not just for me to do them, but for us to all do them as ministers sent out. So week one, we talked about uh, evangelizing through a, an elevator pitch, you know, talking about whatever you really like about church and connecting it to the one thing that we are all about, which is grace. grace. Uh, very good. A plus. Yeah. So last night we had this uh, outing where we watched a, uh, a Christian movie and um, it was, it was interesting. It was, it's, it's definitely a conversation starter. And um, before the movie, it was interesting, we had a conversation and Pastor Linda, who organized the event, said, you know, when her and Fred have been church shopping in their retirement, a lot of churches aren't talking about grace. And indeed, through that movie, uh, grace wasn't really explicitly mentioned until the very end. And the last thing it said, dedicated to all those who have accepted grace. So they, they snuck it in at the very end which was good, it was in there. Um, if you want to know whether you should see the movie or not, ask someone who was there. I think it's worth it. I, I think it's thought-provoking. I enjoyed it. Um, so that was week one. Week two was, okay, if you want to get to know someone and build trust and build a relationship uh, similar to confession and forgiveness, sort of like two points, you can also do that with highs and Close. Just listening to people. What's going well? What's a challenge? Um, and if someone, you know, shares with you uh, something that's giving them guilt that they've done wrong, you can pray with them and ask for God's forgiveness. Week three, we talked about how to write a sermon or testimony. And there's kind of three points to help shape uh, a message. You start off with a Something that gathers everyone's attention. 
good. A plot, the first part of developing a plot is the main character encounters a, an issue or a problem, right? So when you're delivering a message, start off with a problem that people can relate to. Good job. Was that Ingrid got it? No, oh, in the back. Darlene? Oh, gotcha. The other Mrs. Tom. Very good. Good job. Then what, what the rest of the world does, they want to jump to what to do about it. But we, in the middle, talk about God's grace. You see the theme. And then here's what you go do about it. All right? Last week, we talked about the liturgy. Liturgy means working with people. What we do every Sunday, the pattern of worship is a pattern of working together. And the four parts to that pattern is the first part of every worship service. We, the Holy Spirit, gathers us together. Okay, and that part of that is confession and forgiveness, the highs and the lows. Then the second step is self-regulation, and we do that through our study of God's Word. Old Testament, New Testament, epistle, gospel, sermon. Then, after we've done some self-reflection and adjustment, we're nourished through the sacrament. We call that Holy Communion. Okay, so if you're in a secular setting and you can't do that, uh, you could have a moment of, of just silence where people could pray. Okay, and then finally, the longest part of the service, it lasts six days, is the, yeah, the sending. We're sent out to do God's work. And in a, in a business meeting, you know, it's, it's uh, talking, talking business, making decisions, those kinds of things. And in our church service, we tend to do announcements at the end. You know, these are the things we're going to go out and do. That brings us to this week, week five of Lent. And this one's really special, very important to us. Holy communion. Holy communion. So there's two parts to talk about. There's what Luther writes about in the small catechism. And then there's... Uh, and he really writes that more as um, someone receiving it. Uh, and so what we're going to talk about a little bit is how do you share it? How do you share it? If you're called upon someone in their, in their last moments, you're with them and they want to receive Holy Communion. That's, that's an extraordinary circumstance. That's the circumstance in which you, as a baptized Christian, uh, could be called upon to share the Eucharist. It's really quite simple. So we'll, we'll start off with what to do, five things. And they're right here. The first thing you got to have if you're going to have Holy Communion is what? You got to have bread and wine, okay? Just like it says in the Bible. Now, what if you don't have bread and wine? Well, a real traditionalist would say, don't do it, okay? Um, I remember, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying make do with what you have. That's what I'm saying. Um, when I did some missionary work in Nicaragua, we had tortillas and Coca-Cola. And that was it. There was no bread to be found in the village. There was no wine. And we had worked hard side by side uh, for a week. And the pastors there said, we're doing it with uh, tortillas and Coca-Cola. And, um, and it was sacred. 
It was, a sa it was Holy Communion. I remember another time um, visiting someone in the hospital where uh, they were, it, what do they call it, NPO, where you can't eat? Um, but they would, all, the only thing they could do is swab the mouth with a wet Q-tip. And he wanted to have communion. So we did it. That was, and it was, he, it was, he was at the end of his days. And that's what he wanted, so that was considered, you know, um, the blood of Christ, the Q-tip for him with some water on it. Um, generally speaking, though, if you can have some type of bread and wine, that is, that is what Jesus used in the Bible. Um, and that's what Luther talks about in the small catechism. Okay, so that's the first thing you got to have, bread and wine. But the thing is, for us, it's not just bread and wine, okay? It's not just a symbol. It's more than a symbol. The bread and wine is more than bread and wine. It is what? It's, the it's Jesus. It's the body and blood of Christ, okay? Luther says it's in, with, and under the bread and the wine. Not quite the same as transubstantiation. It's a subtle difference, but really, all things being equal, we're kind of most close to Catholics on this one. We really think it's Jesus, the body and blood of Christ. All right. The second thing you got to have if you're going to have communion is you got to have people. You got to have people. Um, communion doesn't make sense unless it's with people. Now, a sticking point is how many people. Um, it would be universally agreed upon that if you have at least two, you're good to go. If you don't have two, that's where arguments start. Some people say it's not communion if it's only one person because communion has to be bringing people together. I don't know, that's not really, that's not really like in the Bible, it doesn't say that. Um, you know, if, um, like in COVID for example, um, people who were alone for weeks and months on end, you know, I think God would understand if you uh, gave yourself communion. I don't think you'd be judged for that. Um, Two. Yeah, so two, I mean, you really, yeah, two, two makes the most sense. Yeah. What I'm saying, if you're alone, if there's nobody with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But the point I'm saying, if you're giving it to somebody in an extraordinary circumstance, there'd be two people there. So yeah, good. Okay. Now Luther talks about who is worthy. Who is worthy? Um, again, traditionally, we talk about communion being the meal of the baptized. But it's not your baptism that makes you worthy. That's not, it's not that baptism is a ticket to get you to the table. It's more like you should wash your hands before you eat, right? If you go to eat, you want to wash your hands. It's sanitary. Same thing with baptism. You want to wash away your sins and then you can receive the body and blood of Christ. However, if someone were to, if someone were starving, okay, like literally they were famished and they would die if they weren't to eat, 
and, and they came to food, would you say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give this to you unless you wash your hands, if it's a matter of life and death? You, you'd give them the food, even if they would risk, <laughs> you know, in, ingesting some germs. So, um, so the worthiness, according to Luther, in his take, is really about faith. If you come to the table and you believe, and you want it, and you, and you, you, in your heart, desire to receive communion, then you are worthy. He says, specifically, believing in the words given for you. If you can hear those words and believe it, this is given for me, that's what makes you worthy. Um, so, there you go. Step number three, step number three. The third thing you got to do if you're going to um, share Holy Communion, you have to say some words. What are the words you have to say? Those are good, those are good. There's some other ones though. We're not to the prayer yet. Before that, scripture, scripture. Okay, so specifically... We always say the words of institution, the words of institution. So it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, not in John. It's not in John's gospel. John talks about washing feet, but it is in Corinthians. So it's the part, it's the part that goes like this. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. We, we, those words you should say if you're going to give communion. If you can't remember them, just find it in the Bible. Look, read through Matthew until you get there. It's going to be towards the end of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. <laughs> okay? Um, if you have Luther's small catechism, it's going to be in there. Um, but it's, uh, it tells the story, and it also tells the theology, forgiveness of sins. Um, yeah. So the words of institution. And Luther talks about, just like I said, it's written in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and according to the Apostle Paul. Okay, the fourth thing that, that you, you have to do when having communion is to pray, and specifically we pray what? The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Um, and the Lord's Prayer, um, uh, we'll be praying in a little bit, but the Lord's Prayer is also good because it does also communicate the theology. Luther talks about what are the benefits of Holy Communion. And they're the same benefits of Holy Baptism. There's three things. And you can, either, you can remember the three bad things that God saves us from, or you can remember the three positive things. So let's start with the bad. What are the, the really three bad, worst things that we have to deal with? Sin. Good. Death, 
You said death over here? No? <laughs> okay, sin, death, and the devil. The three worst things. Sin, death, and the devil. Communion saves us from all three. Forgives us of our sins. Gives us eternal life. And saves us from the power of the devil. Uh, baptism does the same thing, three things. Salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. These are the benefits of receiving the sacrament with faith. Believing that this is given for us. Okay. And that goes back to the worthiness too. Uh, the person who is worthy has faith in these gifts. Okay, so you've, you've got the bread and wine, you've got the people, you, you've got the words of institution, the Lord's Prayer, and then, finally, once you've done all that, then what's left? Well, you haven't eaten yet. You haven't eaten yet. Yeah, you eat and you drink. You eat and you drink. Um, and again, Luther writes in the small catechism, eating and drinking is not what saves us. It's, he's going to repeat himself. What is the thing that makes us worthy? Believing. So we eat and we drink, but the most important thing is to believe. That's how it works. Faith. Saved by grace through faith. Having faith in it. That's how it works. So... Um, the, these are the basic steps, you know, for, for sharing the sacrament. We definitely, as uh, Lutherans, believe in right order. So I am not telling you to just go out and have communion whenever you feel like it. That would not be true to our tradition. Uh, but we do believe that uh, you, are, you are capable should the circumstance arise. Should the circumstance arise, you are fully capable. Um, you... That's it. You, you can do it if called upon, um, and you might have to. The other thing, um, kind of getting back to what we talked about on week two, you've got the official confession and forgiveness, but then you also have got unofficial, highs and lows. So the unofficial thing is you can practice this without it being capital H, capital C, Holy Communion. Every time you have a meal, it is a foretaste of the feast to come. It is practice. It is a remembrance of the table, which is the center of our lives. So if you're out to dinner with someone at a restaurant, you can just sort of in your mind go through these things. We've got bread and wine. We've got food on the table and water. We've got people gathered. Words of institution. You may not say that, but you could, you could use another verse from the Bible. You know, Slipping in a little scripture at mealtime is so powerful. It is so powerful. You just remember a word. Oh, yeah, I heard this word from church on Sunday, and you share it during the meal. Boom. You've just spoken God's holy word, all right? And prayer. You might do the Lord's Prayer at dinner, but any prayer is a good prayer. The, even the old, you know, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Okay, whichever one you know, just saying a prayer at a mealtime is, is emphasizing and living 
remembering Holy Communion every day. Uh, and then just the fellowship of eating and drinking together. And that's something we can all do every day at every mealtime. So there you go. Um, a lesson on, on how to share communion. Any questions? Okay. All right. So you are encouraged to go and practice praying, reading scripture, and having a, a fellowship around meals. Let us pray. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. In righteousness I shall see you. When I awake, your presence will give me joy. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night. And give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying, soothe the suffering, comfort the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. We pray as you taught us, Lord, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, then the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
sir. 